Power Black Power to everybody that's on. Let me get to you, Brother Yanga. We're having a little uh, technical difficulties. In the meantime, I'm going to put some music on Black Power. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun. One time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like folks hung up, yeah. but, um, so I'm gonna... Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front okay, page, I'm... only if I had one gun, so you, one you, girl you... and one crib. Anything. 
that the slavery was a long time ago and that there are no such things as the effects of slavery today or there's no uh, remnants of that going on today and it's only because of people's lack of uh, ingenuity or initiative that they haven't made it. These are people that believe in black America. Some other people believe in a black America um, that has a lot of subculture, a black subculture. You know, is we can discuss that. Is this hip-hop culture a product of black America? Our treatment of women and our children, how we're doing today, is this a product of black America? Can this be tied to, you know, um, our African ancestry? So what is this black America? And in this black America, in this America that the Africans live in today, is it something that should be shunned? You know, one of the things that I'm not, and you've heard me say a lot of times, I am not a culture nationalist, though I am a culturally aware brother, love my culture, love my African ancestry, you know, but I'm not one of those people that believe that it just, you know, it stops there. If I go back to speaking an African dialect or if I wear African clothing, that my liberation will be um, um, immediate. It'll be overnight. So I'm not a cultural nationalist to that degree, but how much of American influence you know, how much of this Americanization, this Westernization and Western influence should we allow in our house, household? How much is too much? What's detrimental to us as a people? These are some of the things that I would love to discuss. And brothers and sisters, you know the, you know, you know the number, 646-668-8244. Um, Chime in. We love your comments, your opinions, your questions, your critiques, your criticisms. All welcome and invited on the show. And the topic is that Black America. For me, I mean, now, you know, I'll get the discussion started. I'll talk about this so called Black America and exactly what it means to me and how I perceive Black America or the African here in America. And I think that, in my, you know, in my opinion, in my study, that the African here in America is an extension of the African experience. That we don't have to be so upset with, you know, upset with the... We, no, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. You hear me? I'll draw Make sure everyone's with me. Let me. Not a matter of being upset with. We should be upset with slavery. We should be upset with the Maya. We should be sickened. It should disgust us. And every gain or every achievement that people have gained at our expense should anger us. There's nothing wrong with that. Being angry, we see you. You've heard me say it before. Our Jewish counterparts do it all the time. They never let you forget the Holocaust, Auschwitz, and things of that nature. They run around with the numbers tattooed on them. They never let you forget. Build museums to it, but they have taken it for more than just being a thing of griping about it, and have allowed it and have turned it into a inspiration and motivation for the advancement and empowerment of Jewish people here in America. Anyone living in a major city can bear witness to what I'm telling you. 
the Jews have sectioned off, the Jewish people have sectioned off segments of certain cities, and they have their synagogues, they have their kosher um, grocery stores, they have their places they go from everything from dentistry to recreation. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker can all be found in that community. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not one. I don't have a problem with it, me personally. I applaud any people who understand the necessity of sticking together, and especially people who have turned a tragedy into triumph, have turned an atrocity into a learning moment and inspiration and motivation for the galvanization, for galvanizing and bringing together their people. They have used that to, for their people to be able to come together and to build. I don't have a problem with that. You see, and this is what I'm saying that the Mayapa, the Atlantic, the uh, cross Atlantic slave trade, chattel slavery that affected the millions of Africans then and now can be galvanized and utilized as a tool to bring us together. And that's what it should be. We, to understand for me, Black America, the African here in America, is an extension of the African experience. Brother Yang, what do you mean by that? An extension of the African experience. You find where the African has been enslaved and captured and taken to other places. When he was taken to those places, his intermingling, his African culture and the intermingling of the native in that land or just the very uh, need to survive and what they call adaptability began to have him mold and form and his Africanness began to conform and cultivate in such a nature that not only would he survive, but they would become vibrant. They would thrive. See, survival eventually has to evolve to thriving. And they would, they would thrive. Look at the Haitians, African people. African people. You can't deny that they're African people. But they went over there, colonized by the French, and took in a lot of them being from Benin or Benign, or, and I know I may be mispronouncing it wrong, but having a particular culture. And the way that they worship their gods, even if they had to disguise them in Catholicism, they still found a way to hold to their Africanness, to their Africanness, and begin to develop a culture that is uniquely theirs. Same in Jamaica, same in uh, Puerto Rico, same in the Dominican Republic. The African people, upon coming to this, coming to that land begin to evolve and cultivate in such a way that they thrive, maintaining or retaining parts of their Africanness, but adapting those things that were beneficial for them. Not you and I. Not the African here in America. We're in a dilemma. Not just a physical dilemma, because a lot of the physical repression or the physical oppression is not as overt. It's not as blatant anymore. A lot of it is psychological. And we're confused. 
Rightly so. I'm not saying that what they haven't done in the way, the methods that they have. See, what they have done, what this white man in America has done, he's, a very, he's very crafty. Elijah Muhammad called him a devil, and I think that he was very, you know, if he wasn't dead on the money, for those that say he wasn't dead on the money, you will have to admit that he was close, very close. And this savage, this beast, he learned from other uh, nations where slaves were kept. He saw the revolts. He looked at the uprisings. He saw the fight for independence and liberation amongst those slaves. He saw them becoming emboldened and empowered. And he said, not to us. So we we must destroy any semblance or anything that resembled who they are, where they're from, and what their divine destiny would be. And so this is what he did. This is what this devil did. And in his doing that, he left a void in the African man and woman here in America, and that void began to be filled with everything except things of African substance. We became devout Christians, some of the some of the most devout Christians. Why we suffered like Jesus. In fact, I I be so emboldened to even say that we suffered as much if not more than the so called Messiah. We became Muhammad Ibn Abdullah Ibn Hashim Ibn Quraysh. We became not just a Muslim, but we became the Sahaba. We became the companions of Muhammad. You brothers know what I'm talking about, especially you brothers and sisters up in the north. I've seen you brothers wear sandals and snow up to your neck. In an effort to imitate and assimilate into Semitic culture, Arab, specifically Arab culture, and at one point in time, this is understandable. We had that void. We became Moors and Jews, and we went so far in a search for identity, we even became aliens. We weren't even from this planet anymore. Talk to certain brothers, they were from whole other galaxies in an effort to find identity. But not understanding the dynamic, the social, cultural dynamic of, of it evolving of evolving, how we must become an African, an extension of the African experience, that we must begin to defy practice in self-determination, and in self-determination, it's just the right to defy yourself. We must begin to defy ourselves and not hold anybody's, anybody's standing up to our own. And that means, and get ready for this, brothers and sisters, and I'm expecting the phone lines to light up after this one, even our brothers and sisters on the continent. Yeah, I said it. Even our brothers and sisters on the continent, we must not allow them to defy our destiny, to defy our actions, to defy our social and cultural habits and norms. We try to be more African than the African. Or the African born on the continent, let me say, because we're all African. 
or the African born on the continent. We go to a a pre-colonized Africa, which is beautiful. In the in the setting up and understanding of history, I think it's necessary for people to know where they came from, especially before the invasion and inclusion uh, of foreigners and foreign devils. But at the same time, we have to be realistic if we're to evolve. So what is black America? When will we begin to defy the African-American, the black American experience for ourselves? And stop allowing other people to say what is black. Like you say, I don't allow that. Uh, We allow it. We allow it. We have the mindset of our colonizers and our oppressors. If someone does something, if they listen to a certain type of music, we say that's white. What made it white? If the brother listened to country western or the sister listened to country western, I mean, then I'm just throwing out there and we can get the giggles. I mean, it's, you know, it's humorous. It's funny. But realistically, though, think about it. If they listen to country western, what makes that white? Didn't the African and America have a hand at conquering the wild, wild west? If they listen to rock, what makes that white? The king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, is it's historically known that he stole his style from people of African descent, from African people. So rock and roll is originally ours. So what makes it white? Because we've allowed people to defy what white and black is, therefore defying what black America is or what black America should be or what black America should mean. And we have to take that back. This is what self-determination and self-sufficiency is all about. It starts there. It starts there. No one has a problem. No other nationality is confused about their nationality, even though they may have different religions. The African here in America is, is, is some of the only people I know that I've studied, and I don't know everything. I'm sure that there's other people out there, and if they are, then, you know, help me out. That's one, and we'll recognize you. But some of the only people that I know that have taken religion, have taken religion and used it as their ethnicity, to use it as an identity. You don't believe me? Try it. Go to the Chinese, man. You've heard me say this before, brothers and sisters. Those of you that know Brother Yanga has heard me say this before. Go to the Asian man. You ask him. You ask him with your big, big, big bad black self. Mr. Asian man, what are you? And the Asian man will tell you that I'm Chinese. I'm Japanese. I'm Korean. I'm Philippine. To the Latin-speaking man, the Spanish Man, I'm Mexican. I'm El Salvadorian. Ask a Latino. He'll tell you. Ask anybody. They'll tell you. Ask the black man. What are you, black man? I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim. I'm a Crip. I'm a blood. I'm folk, folk. I'm Lord, Lord. He's everything but African. Because of that devoid. And then when he begins to embrace these other um, uh, philosophies, whether they be ideologies or theologies, religions, he begins to, begins to think that that is ethnic 
entity, and those other people take advantage of it. They take advantage of it. You're reaching out a hand to cross the divide. See, you don't want to create a black America. You want to escape any semblance of creating your own in this land. So you want to go somewhere. It's easier to go where someone else has built the house. It's easier to go to the house of Islam. The house of Islam has been built in America. You'd rather be a Muslim American. I know your type. And I'm not judging or condemning I was one of those types. Thank God, if you, as you Muslims say, thank Allah. The realization of my Africanness began to shine through the Semitic teachings and the teachings of other people, Arab nationalism. I'm not knocking the religion of Islam, but I say divorce the Arab nationalism from that. And once I began to divorce that, I understood that I must create an America for an African here that is definitive, that directly speaks to my advancement and my empowerment. How did I come to that conclusion? Because I spent all my time defending so-called Muslims against attacks, even if those attacks came from people who look just like me. I would fight off a black man. I, you're a Catholic. You know, this is a Muslim. And he could be Arab. And I would fight that black man off. Fight him off. And lo and behold, one day, you see an Arab getting jumped on by some brothers. And the Arab Muslims, though this Arab was not a Muslim, the Arab Muslims got out and defended the Arab. And that's when it dawned on me. Y'all, it's not about religion with them. It's about ethnicity. It's about nationalism. He can be an Arab homosexual, whom the Muslims say and proclaim that they hate. But if they see some niggas jumping on that Arab, they will defend that Arab. And you and I will stomp a black man in the dirt for an Arab because he told us, I said, I'm naked. Or we will watch a black man be uh, harassed or harangued or possibly even murdered because he's a Muslim and we Christians. So we'll watch white Christians brutalize a black man or a black woman because they believe differently. We've lost our mind. And not only have we lost our minds, we've become cowardly. It's cowardly. It's cowardly. And why do I say that it's cowardly? Because I reiterate, I say what I said in the beginning, it's easier to go into a house that has already been built. See, when you go into a house that has been built, all you have to do is bring your bedroll. You bring your covers. Even if you have to make a pallet on the floor. Y'all know what a pallet is. Don't play with me. All y'all that spent the night over grandmamas or big mamas or whatever. Y'all know about making pallets. You make a pallet on the floor. But to build a home of your own, not only must you get the material, not only must you get the labor, but you have to strategize. You have to plan. You have to create a blueprint. It's work involved in building your own space, carving out your own niche, doing for yourself. And then once you do for yourself, seeing a house that's already built, it's the landlord, and it's the landlord's responsibility to maintain the property of the house, to maintain the structure of the house. If something's going wrong with the house, you call the landlord, and the landlord is in the maintenance man. When it's your house, you're responsible for fixing that house. And this is why. You don't see a black American. This is why you don't see the African 
um, the new African dynamic, the extension of the African chapter, the continuation, the uh, evolution of the African slave trade in here in America. But you see the continuation, not the evolution. There not, has not been an evolution for the African slave trade that has, and for the Africans that were brought over here in shackles and chains in America. There has not been an evolution, but a continuation. Slavery is continuing. Slavery is continuing. And not only are we still a part of it, but now it has been their evolution. They've has evolved. You and I have it. If anything, we've digressed. Why, in their uh, effort to separate us and to oppress us, in their effort to do that, we find that we have more black businesses then. So they had to evolve. They study. They said we must integrate these people. And when we integrate these people, when we, because necessity is the mother of invention, when you separate a people and you deprive a people of their natural human rights and for you deprive these people of certain resources and certain goods from the land, then the people become resourceful themselves. They become inventive. In fact, they come, become downright ingenious. And they begin to feel, you know, do for themselves. They know there's no point in begging you, Mr. White Man, or whoever it is that wants to oppress us. They know that there's no point in that. So they begin to do for themselves. And when they begin to do for themselves, they begin to empower themselves by what lies in them. And when they realize what lies within them, when they begin to realize what is very deep, when the African man begins to realize what, and the African woman begins to realize what is very deep within inside of them, they realize that everyone else is a joke. They realize the only way that they were oppressing us is that we had complied and conformed to oppression. And that's what, they, and that's what frightened them. And that is what frightened them to their very core. So they had to, you begin, you and I begin, we look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, what they call Black Wall Street, and other places, not just economic stability and economic empowerment and even economic advancement as comparison to our white counterparts, but we look at social and cultural advancements and empowerments. Our communities were cleaner. They were more hospitable, friendly. They were better. They were better. And there's no way to push white supremacy when you separate a people and and it's visibly seen, it's physically felt that we are doing better without you. So they had to evolve. They had to say we must incorporate them. We have to incorporate them. That way, they once we incorporate them, they will start to break up that unity because the incorporation won't just be their dollars, but we must incorporate their morals. And then it won't be a black American, their morals and their standards. 
And it won't just be a black America, but it'll be America. We'll make America great again. And we will have this black man and his white, good black woman, striving for something that is not attainable because we will not allow them to, to obtain it. We will never see them as equal. They will always and forever will be niggers. You see, and the sooner you and I come to that conclusion, it ain't about a hate thing. I don't. Not about it. I don't waste my time or energy hating them. But I don't allow their rhetoric of love, inclusion, multiculturalism, diversity. I don't I don't fall for that. I don't let that shit if you got children in the room, plug their ears. I don't go for that shit. I don't buy it. Have we not seen it time and time again? Have we not seen it time and time again? What do you think that empowers and emboldens the police force to blatantly murder young men and women in the streets? Not even just brothers anymore. Brothers, that's on here listening. It was bad enough, not just bad enough, it was a, a travesty that they were murdering us. But now they're indiscriminately murdering and beating our women. You punk-ass niggas pull out cell phones and take pictures. YouTube it. They frosted the black man. They have taken him out of his place of defending the black woman and the black child, even at the expense of his life. I thank God. I thank God. I thank the ancestors, the divine spirits, that as far as I've been living now, I have never been challenged with that. The one time I was challenged, I tried or faced that child of a police brutalizing the sister. I went to jail. It's that simple. I'm going to jail, too. Everybody's going to jail. I'm going to jail. For obstruction, he tried to hit me with assault on the officer, resisting arrest, everything, because I can't sit there and watch no police, no, especially no any police officer, but specifically this six-foot cracker brutalize and manhandle a sister, and I'm there. And then I'll turn around and be hollering about telling the sister, I'm the man. That's why she holler about, I'm going to call the man. Bet you are. So we've gotten to that point. But in a black America, in an America that is black, we defy the rights and the wrongs. But in order to establish that up, it might be some bloodshed. Oh, you don't like to hear that. No, we don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that it might, but we, they will tell us time and time. Didn't the 4th of July just pass? Don't they commemorate with fireworks in their songs and the rockets, red flare bombs bursting in the air? That's not the national rockets, red flare bombs bursting in air. They understand what it takes to build a nation, maintain a nation, protect the nation, and ensure the continuance of that nation. They understand it. Okay, I just got, sorry, you know, it's hard for me to multitask. Just got the hot news in Australian woman killed by black Ethiopian cop. In same state as, uh, was that, Philando Castile, 
Let's all keep watch on this. Oh, they gonna they gonna it was the Australian woman or white woman. If anybody knows on this, please chime in and give us this news. Give us the report on this because if it was a white woman and a black cop that did this, they are gonna drag that Negro. He might send him back to Ethiopia on a donkey. Black cop. He's about to find out today. You're listening to Independence. Let me give the call sign. You're listening to Independence. Black Radio, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I'm your host, Chairman Yang and Krumah. Like I said, we had a little hiccups earlier today. I thank everyone for tuning in. And we're talking about black America. What builds a black America? What does it take to be to have a black America? Is there such thing as black America? And would that be applicable to us as Africans here in America? Do we want something like that? Press 1, I'll recognize you. You know me, like I always say, this is your radio program. It's open to you. Your comments, your critiques, your criticisms, your opinions are always welcome here, brothers and sisters. This is for us. It's a rap session. We all family. We talk about the black America, and I was citing where they have fought where they shed blood, whether it's their own or their enemy, those that try to oppose them, those that try to place obstacles in their way from being a nation, a, a nation, a free nation. And we have to be willing to do the same. We have to be willing to do the same. Am I telling someone to go out there and commit random acts of violence? Never. Abhor random acts of violence. I think it's counterproductive. It's reactionary. It's counterrevolutionary. It doesn't aid the cause. It doesn't advance us in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Random acts of violence, violence for violence's sake, is foolish and futile. There's no win to that. But I do advocate and will always advocate defense. Defense. You and I have the right to defend ourselves. And the sad part of it all is that we have to be told that we have the right to defend ourselves. Taking us out of our very nature, why they say the laws of nature. See, we obey, we obey man's law before we obey the God's law, I mean, the mother's law, the law of nature. This man will have you so scared to defend yourself, you will stand there with your hands behind your back. And take a brutal beating and holler, ow, ooh, ow. This is what you would do. I've seen it. I've seen it on YouTube. You complied, raise your hands. You At one point in time, did you start swinging back and like, yo. I was just reading a case up in New Jersey. This is why I'm going to have to end up going back to Jersey. Where a brother was brutalized and they said that the brother had the right to defend himself even against police. It's the law. It's natural. They have taken you out of your very nature that you stand there with your hands up and receive this punishment that you will accept the brutalization. And if not on you, even more so that you will watch a child, a woman, be brutalized and terrorized by what can clearly be defied as an enemy. If you're trying to kill me or kill my people, clearly you're an enemy. I don't care about no damn uniform. What does that mean? Yeah, they say the devil wear Prada. 
I don't care what you got on. If you are trying to end my life, stop my existence and that of my people, clearly you have put yourself in the enemy's category. It's that simple. And I must be forever on the alert for my enemies or those that would attempt to hinder progress or impede my progress and my advancement. This is what black America looks like to me and African in America looks like to me. The extension of the African dynamic looks like to me. Not this complacent, passive, fissified niggerism that is taking place today. Fissified niggerism from the brothers and the sisters. We don't want to Defy black America Like I said it takes work You got to raise your children You got to raise your children We don't want that Some of us secretly like And applaud the law and the bill That said that you can't touch your children It took you off the hook You can sit around and cry Oh they say I can't touch my child you love it. To let you off the hook. It it, it 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 gave you an excuse to not be responsible. That's your black America. I can do. If I hit him, he's gonna call the police. The police? What? He gonna call the police? Say you call the coroner. You will call. Let me tell you something. The day one of my children threatened me. We're calling the police. Your child threatened to call the police on you. You had been lost control of your house. It wasn't the government. You you, you didn't have control in the beginning. That shouldn't even been a thought that entered their mind. They should have definitely should have blew in their ear when he thought that I'm gonna call. Them. Damn, now that's death. Now that's that's death. Then they guess mm-hmm. that even you see that look. I've been mean, I even know I'm thinking it. Black America. What is it? When are you and I going to stop allowing people to defy that? What does it mean economically? Let me give a big shout out to the protesters, to the various groups down here in Atlanta who are protesting the Chevron from where it was caught on camera. A police officer beat a homeless woman for panhandling. I mean, it's caught on camera. I mean, just I mean, just what took all this frustration and aggression out on this on this black woman, an elderly woman. I mean, just brutally beat her with the baton. It was senseless, senseless. Black Power, please bear with us. You have a technical difficulty, so we get your chairman back on, back out. is the importance of why self-sufficiency or self-determination is needed for the African people. We need our own radio, not just program, but network, transmission, the whole nine. 
We have to stop relying on there's not going to be too long they allow people who don't want this message to be out to allow us um, um, a media outlet for it. They're not going to keep giving us a platform. Talk about African empowerment. Are we crazy? You know, so we need to start some of my, my, my progressive brothers and sisters in progressive organizations or people with those skills. Let's work on it, man. Get with me. How can I, how can I help make it happen? I'm with it. But to go back to our topic, you know, this is when we talk about defying for ourselves, building this thing for ourselves, and it's going to take work. No one said it's going to be easy. We're not looking for an overnight fix. Bottom line, we're not looking for an overnight fix. But it's going to take those brothers and sisters who are willing to make it happen. Brothers and sisters who are willing to make it happen. But we need to know what that means. What does it look like? Press one if you like to chime in. If you have a vision of what and Black America looks like, an America where the African for the African over here now, the descendants of the Maafa, the Atlantic slave trade. What's your vision for it? How does that look to you? How does it affect you? What would you like to see? Have our people become complacent and reliant? On their oppressor, which is the damnedest thing. I mean, I've never. It's it, it it baffles me as a student of revolution, as a student of world change. I am baffled and always amazed at the African in America how apathetic, how far removed, how complacent they are. We are we. I see we. How we are with our life. How we are with our life, we have really become complacent. And I mean, despite all the posts we see on Facebook, I think that they have just become motifs and slogans. Malcolm will say, we, I will see post after post, quote of our dear brother El Haj Malik Shabazz, brother more uh, commonly known as our dear brother Malcolm X. I will see the post, if your enemy didn't treat you right. What makes you think he will teach you right? I think some of us know this by heart. And I'll be damned if we don't set up institutes to teach our own. What's wrong with us? Why isn't our hearts moved? Why are we compelled to start to do for self? We will complain and scream about economics. But won't start investment groups, won't sit with just another person and create a pot of $5 a month apiece. We won't even come together, three or four of us, to get a Sam's card, a Walmart card, a wholesale card together where we can buy by the bulk since we can't produce our own and don't have own factories and industries to at the very least start with a basic step. And know that one of our biggest issues is lack of economic cooperation. For shit. My language. I know we might got some children on there, but it's it gets redundant. It, it, you, you can't help 
stand up after having say the same thing and seen the same post and you see him and you don't see any action, but you see reaction. We have become reactionaries. Facebook and reality TV has been some of the worst things to happen to African people. It has been one of the worst things that happened to African people. Facebook and reality TV, because it has provided an escape. It's easier, it's better to look at other people's misery than to have to face and change your condition. So you love and hip-hop it. You allow the housewives it. Instead of you getting your big self up, and I'm not talking about big, beautiful, thick sisters or masculine, big, wonderful brothers. But I'm talking about that sickly obese, high blood pressure, sugar diabetes. Instead of you getting yourself up and walking, you'll watch the biggest loser. You'll watch other people lose damn weight. How about that's what I need to be doing? We become insane. We don't want to do the work. So, reality TV and Facebook has provided this escape, and not only has it provided escape, it has desensitized us. We bombard our psyche so much with that, it has desensitized us to reality, and it has made us accept these things, that that, to many of us, is black America. Is black America. To many of us. Black America, to many of us, by the music and are not holding these MCs accountable. And you can hold them accountable. Don't think you can't say, well, what can I do? Don't get, get on there and scream about some Jewish stuff. Talk about this Jew. Let me keep saying his name long enough. I have the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, down my throat calling me an anti-Semite. Why you can't even talk about that Jew? He set up his his groups, the Jewish League. They'll come after you. And we'll sit around and have these people rap about. I don't care nothing about these MCs. I love the art form of hip hop. I'm not condoning the art form of hip hop, but I'm talking about those people that who have abused it. They go to telling me First Amendment right, freedom of speech. I don't care nothing about that. That's just what he said. And he only give that to you when you're talking about us. You go to talking about him, he'll snatch your speech. Say the wrong thing, he'll lock you up forever. Call you a terrorist. Tell me about no damn First Amendment. First Amendment only applies when you're dogging us out. And we'll sit around, where is our anti-defamation black league? Anti-defamation African league. We don't care about black America. There is no black America. In black America, everybody's a Sambo and a clown and a coon. 
We don't respect ourselves, let alone other ethnicities. When I'm back up in Cleveland, I'm a part of the American Indian Movement. I'm a part of AIM. Why? Because I believe in the removing that Cleveland Indian head, that racist Yahoo McDaniel, that big red smiling, cheesing, charming Indian that they got up there, and these white boys using as a mascot. And we'll walk around with Cleveland Indian stuff. We don't care. Hell, we're used to defamation, bad images. We cool ourselves. That's black America. Got to get that money, homie. At whatever cost. So we allow these MCs to come out and to bitch this, hold that. Got one song out there, His Black America by Future. And he named himself right. Future, our future. Ali Khan, what do you say? Promethazine, oxy, oxy, molly, oxy, molly. Chase a check, don't cheat a bitch. Oxy, molly, oxy, molly. Promoting and encouraging subscription drug use. And we bobbing our heads and letting you bob your heads and we ain't check this Negro or check the label that carries this Negro. And he is promoting and encouraging prescription drug use amongst our youth and he is named adequately future. Our future. This is black America to us though. See, we don't want to do the work. We don't want to be the stick in the mud. We don't want to go against the grain. There's always only and ever and ever will be a few that initiate and take on the charge, take on the battle that will wave the banner of independence and freedom. And that banner of independence and freedom first starts with morality. It starts with standards. It starts with ethics and accountability. Our people have to be held in accountability. So what does this black America look like? What does this black America look like? Are we pleased with the direction that it's going in? Is this how we want our future to look? I don't think a lot of us, and if it feels like an indictment, then it must be. I don't think a lot of us have an idea what an America for the African here looks like. They've had us divided. Segregation is dead, allegedly, save for the African people. We're segregated from one another. We're segregated from one another. We're segregated along the lines of economic classes, religion. Some of us Negroes are still so foolish and simple to be separated along the lines of skin complexion. It's ridiculous. And we have bitten into the lie that we can't come together. Black folks can't come together. Black folks can't work together. Who told y'all that lie? I'm from the hood. I see them work together every day. And I'm going to tell you how I see them work together and how this system knows that they work together because they came up with a law called the RICO Act. 
See, we can work together on what we want to work together on. We can work together in foolishness. We can work together in crime. I had a house that's been broken into twice. And the things they taken up out of here, one man couldn't took, so some niggas damn sure worked together on that. So working together isn't the problem. It's the direction and the focus. It's what we'll decide to work together on. But in order to, for us to decide to work together on, we know that we're going to have a few bad apples. So those of us that are real, the men and the women that are real, the men and the women that are not afraid to stand up and establish an independent place for themselves, a place for the African in America is going to have to stand up and might even have to do some head busting. You just might. You may seriously have to do some head busting. But whatever you have to do, you're going to have to be firm, and you're going to have to have resolve, and you're going to have to have a clear definition and a clear direction of what you're trying to accomplish and a clear method of how to accomplish that. That's what we don't want to work together on. That's where you find us lacking in the unity. That's where you find us finding, uh, making excuses not to work together, the formation. Well, you know, Chairman Yanger, you cool and all, man, but you people's Black Panther Party for self-determination. I'm Black Panther Party up the block. My man's Black Panther Party down the street, man, and we just can't, you know. Not understanding that the commonality, the what we want, our end game, is what should bring us together. Okay, what you're labeling yourself, that's just for a matter of convenience. That's just so that, you know, you can be placed in a category. And it shouldn't stop us. It is all an excuse, and it's an excuse because we haven't sat down and had a clear conclusion. What does black America look like? This is why... In the 10-point platform, the program of the Black Panther Party of Self-Defense from the Third Development, which we have adapted, and most, and to my understanding, most Panther formations have adapted and kept the 10-point platform and program of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense of the Third Development, whom some call the original, as espoused by uh, Chairman Bobby Shields and Huey P. Newton. To my understanding, most formations have kept that. That's why it says in point number 10 that we want a platelet we want a right. We want, we're demanding the right to have a, to pick our own time and place where us as African people will get together amongst other African people and decide what form of government that we will should have to govern ourselves, what way we will live, how we will carry out and perform these functions and duties of regulation and legislation amongst the people of African descent, amongst ourselves. Basically saying we have to plan and strategize for our future. We don't find that now. They have kept us as reactionaries. My my black America, the America for the African over here now, is not a reactionary America of African people here now. It's, it doesn't contain to that. I'm sick of running to the murders, city to city from the murders. I'm sick of it. Like our manual says, it's, I want, I want, uh, health care, I want preventive, not just maintenance. I don't want health care for the maintenance. I want preventive health care. So I don't want just maintenance for brutality, maintenance for um, uh, uh, poor living conditions, 
You know, I want preventive measures to be taken. And you can't demand preventive measures for anybody. If you think, if you expect, like the uh, Honorable Marcus Magar, uh, Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey said, something to the fact, I'm paraphrasing, it's not verbatim, but something to this effect, that you're basically crazy as hell if you think somebody's going to free you. If you're waiting on, he didn't say that, but if you're waiting on someone to free you, they keep waiting on your crazy or something along those lines, basically it means you have to do for self. One thing he did say, and I constantly say, and I reiterate, and I believe in, he said, up, you mighty people, you can accomplish what you will. What you will. You will it mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and what you will do. You can accomplish it. The only thing holding us back is us, our lack of a clear direction, our lack of a clear plan. To achieve these things But we can accomplish it It's just as simple as doing it And this is what has to be Put in effect I see you got some people Listening on the phone I must I must be Saying some things Because no one's trying Listen like I said It's always it's a matter of pushing one you don't always have to agree with me. Push one and we can discuss it. How do you feel about it? Maybe I'm saying the wrong thing totally. Maybe you don't believe in an America for African people here at all. You may be a uh, staunch fan Africanist that believes in repatriation. You may be like, man, we need to get out of here and far away from anything called America or that resembles America. And that's fine. You're entitled to that. I would love to hear why. I would love to hear why. Why we can't, because like I said, you know, as to go back, like what I said earlier, I believe that we are the extension of the African experience. I believe we're the extension of the African experience. I don't believe that our being here is any different than what has taken place in the Caribbean, Trinidad, Jamaica, the West Indies, where it's taking place in Hades, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, uh, the Dominican Republic, anywhere where you find people of African descent. I don't believe that our experience is any different. I think they are that uh, it, it has to be any difference. I think the only difference is that we haven't embraced a strong African culture that has involved and incorporated the things that we go through on the daily over here, that we haven't acknowledged in our effort to get away from all of this, which is understandable because it's psychologically, psychologically traumatic. No, what we went through as African people in America is psychologically traumatic. There's no way around it. So I can understand the urge to want to escape it. I can understand that urge to want to escape it. But I say that we must grab it, hold on to it, analyze it, and begin to deal with it, the traumatic aspect of it, and those things that though they were traumatic, also go into making us like our ancestry. 
a lot of us have Native American ancestry and other ancestry that that came over here. Some through rape, oh, and some not through rape. But to embrace the whole dynamic of it all. What Karl Marx I was talking to someone the other day, and we were talking about that. What Karl Marx would call, or what uh, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah said, is the uh, uh, historical material dialectics of African people. All of those things, the historic factors and the material factors that went into creating the African in America, they should be they should be examined, embraced. I didn't say loved. I didn't say loved, but embraced. And once embraced, and once thoroughly analyzed and examined, begin to mold and go into developing our children and our future, it will begin to explain why some of our behavior is as it is. We have to stop trying to hide who we are behind everything else. We wonder why our marriages fail. Why it's hard to parent our children because we're trying to parent them. We're trying to relate and have a relationship, and that's what relationship is, relatability, relate, relationship. We're trying to relate based on other social, cultural uh, dynamics that don't agree with our nature, that don't agree with our nature. So in true our nature is embraced into that very thing that goes into making up. Listen, let me tell you, I am a big believer of DNA. I believe in DNA. I believe in genetics. I was made a believer in genetics one time when I was speaking, and my mother had come into the room, and she just looked at me and was standing. I said, what are you looking at, Mom? She said, man, you sound and act and move like your father. You sound and act and move like your father. And this, at this point in time, I hadn't been around my father in you know, a minute. And she said, I am a believer in genetics. And that, at that, from that time, and when my father and I started work, I had been around him as, like, father, but never seen him as Chairman Kahar. But when I began to see him as Chairman Kahar and seeing how he worked and seeing how he spoke and his mannerism, I was like, wow, man, I do do that. Man, I do. So genetics are real. But how will we understand our genetics? How will we get the best of that if we don't understand where those genetics come from? What's in our DNA construct? If you don't understand that, how will you utilize that to the very fullest potential? It will almost be impossible to utilize the full potential of that. Because we haven't embraced and acknowledged everything that went into making this fine creation called an African here in America. If that's not embraced, if that's not understood, you're missing out on, so you and I are missing out on a lot of potential. A lot of things that could unlock doors for us and take us to the next era. And this is understood by everybody but us. This is why everything is bombarded to you. Black America, to this capitalist system, black America to these people means cha-ching. It means economic stability. It means a never-ending supply of resources, labor. 
They understand that Negro pennies add up. I love the fact when they tell me there ain't no money in the black community. You better ask uh, that Buddha head on the corner or that Arab or that Jew or that Korean that owned the soul food. Say, yeah, that's right, the Korean that owned the soul food restaurant in your community, the hair care store, the liquor store, the funeral parlor. When now black people still, we still doing that. We burying one another. Pretty soon they'll take that from us. I will say we're, we're black nationals when it comes to bearing our own. We'll go to uh, Trimble and Trimble and Johnson and Johnson and brother and brother. We let black folk bury us. But all of these eateries and all these other things, you better believe that um, they know it's money in the African community. They know it's ends there. And they don't snooze on it. Let's go to the phone lines. Area code four seven zero one four four four. Your mic is open. Hey, Aunt, what's going on, man? I made it, man. What's going on, nephew? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm tuning in, man. I, you know what I'm saying? You know. Okay. That's that's what's up, man. I mean, I'm glad you was able to listen in. And everything like that, man. You got a couple. Was you able to catch some of the um, catch some of the show? Uh, I just tuned in uh, at the very end about the black dollars. You know what I'm saying? Okay, drop some on us then. Uh, you know, calling. You know what I'm saying? My situation. I'm behind the wall. You know what I'm saying? Okay, no doubt. And, and uh, you know, the main thing that's going on back here is street gangs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Street games. Yeah. So, so you yeah. know, and uh, and me, you know, me, I'm 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 one of those dudes who do what he want to do. I move with every gang, like because it's just ranks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just it's just it's just ranks. Mm-hmm. So if the right people got, if the heads got their mind on straight, it's a militia. You know what I'm saying? The police yeah. scared of them. Yeah. You, you know, you know what I'm saying. So it's like yeah. everybody yeah, doing what they want to do, and that's the only problem. Yeah. You know, they not moving in the same direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the only reason I ain't got a couple brothers with me back here right now is because it was count time and they was playing cards or something. I I ain't have time to play out there. So, you know. I heard that. But when I but, but when I tune in, no, you know, uh, next time I tune in, you know what I'm saying, I'm most definitely gonna have somebody with me. You know what I'm saying? Most definitely. Okay, man, no problem, definitely. I'm glad you could. I'm glad you could tune in enough, you man. And that goes into and that fits right in with uh, the conversation of what we're talking about, Black America, and well, like you just brought up the street drives. You know, as that being a clear part of the definition of black America. This is something that can't be ignored. That's a phenomenon in itself. And like my nephew, like Hakeem was saying, um, until that's addressed and the heads of these are addressed and utilized in the right way, then we will always be, um, they will always be able to use it to our demise and to our separation. And one of the things is because in some people's black America, you know, the gangs don't exist. They feel like that they're white. They feel like, you know, oh, man, this is, we don't need that and totally destroy and totally go after destroying that phenomenon. Instead of, and this is what I was talking to 
Um, this is what I this is what I was talking about. Um, uh, this is what I was talking about. Um, understanding the DNA and the structure of things. You know, once we understand the structure and begin to get a clear picture and define for ourselves what we're trying to accomplish. Define for ourselves what America looks like for the African here, right here. Then we'll start to be able to utilize all of these pieces and utilize the pieces properly to our benefit. You know, that's the only way it's going to, that's the only way. Let me see. So that's the only way we're going to do it. Let's go to our um, phone lines. Four seven eight nine nine six nine. Your mic is open. Greetings, this is Khadija in Atlanta. How are you? I'm good. Greetings, this is Khadija. Um, glad to hear you back on the air. You know, I think the radio program is really good and needed and everything. Uh, but what the caller had just said, talking about you know the street tribe, I think that is directly in line with what we've been doing. They're just calling it a different name. It's like we recreate ourselves every 20 and 30 years, maybe even every 50 years. So back in the day, they might have called it a government, but now they call it a gang. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that we have to be open-minded to the language, but just kind of see what the goal is. Gangs really are their own governing body. You know what I'm saying? They have their own rules. They have their own ranking system. They have their own economics. They have everything. They are little governments, you know. And so we discredit them, though, because that's not the word we're looking for. So if it's not exactly the word or exactly as we pictured it, then we discredit it as not being valid. But when it's absolutely valid, you know, being second generation, I think and do things differently than my elders. But that doesn't mean I'm not still accomplishing the same goals. And sometimes I have to remind them, I may not call it the same thing you did, but I'm doing the work. You have to look at the end result. So, you know, rather than looking at these gangs as, you know, enemies or as, you know, all violent, I believe that what we have to do is to give them more depth, you know, because right now, you know, they're in survival mode. we got to survive, and this is how we survive. But rather than get them on survival, we may actually be able to give them in-depth goals, you know what I'm saying, educate yourself, build this. Don't just stop at one level of the game. Go deeper. And so, you know, I think uh, we as, you know, in this age range of, you know, the leadership now, we're in the age of leadership. Leadership has to be open-minded to the way that the new, the younger generation speaks and the way they move. They move a little differently. They dress differently. They speak differently. But we have to kind of let our differences of age and generation go to really embrace and hear what they're saying and see that we're saying the same type of thing. So, you know, I I really encourage the, the bridging of the gap between the generations and sometimes that is all language. We have to let go of our own thoughts and opinions and kind of really try to embrace rather than to reject because it didn't come exactly as we wanted it to be, you know? So I thought that was really good. Shout out to the Absolutely. I appreciate that input. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that input. Thank you so much for that. 
And that's absolutely right. I think that that, you know, like you said, that that fits in with our topic of going with um, you know, this whole black American thing, that the, the, gener- the language, the generational, the generational divide, creating that understanding, coming having preconceived notions of what we think something is and therefore not, not learning and growing from one another, not an exchange of dialogue, but more judgment and, and criticism, conformity. You know, I think that we get along the lines of trying to make our young people conform and comply to what they clearly see shit that didn't work. And then look and they say, hey, you know what? It didn't work for you, so y'all not going to put that on me. And what we have a lot of times is an expression of rebellion, an expression of revolution. Just not in a revolutionary, and what I think us as older people, especially those of us that have a revolutionary understanding, have failed to do is to train to begin to cultivate that revolutionary energy into a disciplined uh, revolutionary and discipline and to give it a structured and constructive revolutionary outlet. That's the important part. But then again, it goes back to what I've been screaming about all night. So I'm basically horse is having what does that mean? What does that look like? And I think that for a lot of us, that's the hard part. We don't want to sit down and do the actual thinking and the actual planning of what that looks like, what a black America looks like, what the steps we have to take, and then after going through that hard part of exercising that big muscle in your head called a brain, actually getting out there and doing the work to bring it to fruition. It is so much easier to comply and to conform. It is so much easier to allow people to think for us. And we just follow along and follow suit. That has been the way that it has been. We've become a lot of us, not all of us, I'm not going to say all of us, but a lot of us have become... Uh, accustomed to that And it's just easier Just to let yourself go To go with the flow It's Black Talk Radio It's your it's your man Chairman Yang and Krumah People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination We're talking about Black America What constitutes a Black America What does Black America look like Is there a need for a Black America Should we just do away with it Should we all go to Africa Is there a hope for a uh, uh, a place for Africans over here in America, would we even call it that? You know what I'm saying? Is that is that fanciful? Is it a is it a, is it a fantasy to think you know that they that we could even live on the shores with these people, with the people that have oppressed us? You know, it's I mean. The discussion is open, and it's and it's a deep discussion, and it's a discussion that needs to be had. You know, it is a discussion that that really needs to be had because the rate that we're going, the black man and woman, the African man and woman, will be destroyed. And I'm not talking about in the physical sense. I'm not talking. I don't think you can destroy people of color in the physical sense. But I'm talking about. The traditions, the culture, the morals, the standards, the ethics of African people will totally be destroyed. The way that we're going, we have already lost our mind. 
And in losing our minds, we have lost our way. And we get farther and farther from the way. And it's like anything. When you take a path and you start getting lost, you know, when you veer off the path a little bit, the further and further you get off the path and away from the path, after a while you look up, you're deep in the woods, and you don't even know which way the path was, let alone where the path is, a faint, remote trace of a path. You're totally out there like that is not a path. And so our, our coming away from that, getting off the path, it's one thing. That's just one aspect of it and problem of it. And the other problem is we don't even want to be trailblazers. Okay, we're off the path. Now I must create another path to get me somewhere to a de- destination. We don't even want to do that. We want to stand still and wait for somebody to come to, to blaze a path. But guess what? When he's blazing that trail, <clears throat> when someone else comes along and lays out a path, and they're blazing that trail, and they're making a way, they're making a way for them. So if you follow behind them, you're going to end up where they go and where they wanted to go and where they had a map and a compass and their attention is the way. And sometimes you'll find, get yourself there and find out this is not a place for me. And we have to stop being afraid to say that. Everybody's not going in the direction we're going in. It doesn't mean you hate them. It just means we're not going in the same direction. Chinese man, white man, Latin man, whatever. We ain't got to fight about it. I'm not going to fight you about where the hell I want to go. I'm not going to fight you about me being empowered. I'm not going to fight you about me having some things or my people having some things. I'm not going to sit here and fight you or allow you to call me racist or hate me. You know. And all the while... You're doing your thing. Oh, Nobody's stopping you from your. You hear me, Sharon? I'm. So everybody's, and nobody's stopping stopping you from your people. You do your thing. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna go back and forth with you about it. I'm sorry. I'm having a little technical difficulties in the Akeem, you might have to mute your phone for a minute, bro. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I got you right here. No problem. I'm my studio. I'm trying to do it for you, but my. You know, when they do it, when they handle it, and it's only natural. When they do their thing, it's only natural. No one says it. No one says anything because we've accepted as natural. We've accepted as knowing that they're going to practice the nationalism. We know they're going to live together. We know they're going to hang together. It's only when it comes to us. Do we even, you find amongst us, having a problem to defy our place, defying our place, us hanging together, us doing for one another. And we bite into what all of these people tell us. They have the audacity to tell you that you're racist. Why is it only a black thing? Why it got to be a black thing? But they have the audacity to sit there in a group of their own peers with their own people. You speak in their language, eating their food, and they tell you that you're racist. You go in the Chinese store, you buy all the Chinese food, you eat Chinese, you watch Chinese movies, you take Kung Fu, you're Chinese kicking, you're doing all that stuff. You hang together and band together and talk about you want your community back. You don't want the Chinese throwing at your races. Go to Chinatown. Go to Chinatown. 
When I was in New York, I just rode through Chinatown. I didn't see not one soul food place in there. Not one soul food place. Go to Little Italy. I didn't see a soul food restaurant. In fact, I didn't see any black-owned businesses. When you go through these other ethnic enclaves, but you go to your neighborhood, you'll find it looks like the damn uh, World Trade Center. Not the World Trade. What is it? The UN. It's more ethnicities and countries in your in, in, in your community than you believe. And they have you thinking that sticking together is something wrong. This is what I mean, that we've lost our sensibilities. That we've lost our mind and we've lost our sensibility. That you start to, that they have shamed you into practicing unity. They have shamed you into daring to dream a dream of a place for you as an African. That is for you. They shamed you on that. That you dare to have a place where only you live that isn't the projects. That's owned by you. That's policed by you. That the stores, the people in the community, not only reflect you, but run the businesses in the community. You've historically seen what happens when you do that. Those places are bombarded or invaded by police. They feel like that they have to police your your place. Or they begin to tell you that you're racist. When you have your black groups in your black churches, you're racist. I'm not a member of the Nation of Islam, but I marvel, I laugh at how they say that they, Elijah Muhammad, was a racist. He had a black religion. Black people, he was racist. How dare black people get together and have a black God? Don't every Sunday, you white people get together. Go to your white church and have a big white son of God up there? A white Santa Claus? Hell, the Easter Bunny is white. Where's the racism in that? But it's racist for me to reject a white America. You want a place where my children can grow and, and feel a sense of worth and pride at seeing strong members of their community who look like them, speak like them, eat like them, behave like them. That's the problem. And you Negroes buy into that concept. You don't want to be just around us. You don't want to do this. You don't want to work. You can't trust me. You will let white folks do anything or other ethnicities do anything in the world to you. You get taught to accept and take that. The humiliation and the degradation, the punishment. You've been taught to take that. And the first time that a black man or a black woman crosses you, you're ready to wipe out the whole race or to cut yourself off from the whole race. You hate yourself. And you've been taught to hate yourself. 
when you hate yourself and been taught to hate yourself, you can't see a place for, because who would want to live in a place with people you hate? You don't see a black America. I wouldn't want to live in a place with people I hate. And you hate yourself. You hate anything that looks like you or resembles you. So you can't see an America for the African here. You can't see it being prosperous. You can't see its growth and its development. Because it's not being taught. And we don't teach it. We don't. We skim on the surface. We skim around it. We play a lot of games with it. But at the end of the day, we still teach and accept Eurocentric standards. We just don't want to admit it. We still do the light skin, the good hair, the dish food, that if I own this, then I'm more successful because materialism has made me this successful is we still do all of that on the surface, not understanding that they don't even hold those standards that you hold. See, a white man isn't holding those standards because that's his nature. You're trying to be you and I, people uh, who think like this are trying to be something they're not. White people, that's their nature. So they're thinking along the lines of survival and continuance. And in order to ensure that survival and continuance, they must dominate you. They must dominate you because that ensures their way of life. When you stand up and reject that way of life, and when you stand up and say it's not conducive, for us as a people, because your way of life puts us on the bottom. Your way of life is dependent upon us being subjective to you. Then they have to begin to change their way of life and to rethink and re-strategize their whole survival theory and method. So he's going to fight like hell to keep you in an inferior subjective position. They're going to fight like hell. And you must fight back. And you must fight back. And the fight isn't always, in the beginning, a physical fight. The fight is a spiritual, moral, emotional, mental fight. Stop thinking like the goddamn white man. Excuse my language. Stop thinking like him. And when you begin to stop thinking like him, you will begin to stop judging according to his standards, and you will begin to stop behaving, and then you will feel in your heart some remorse when you mistreat one of your own. When you don't aid and assist one of your own. When you use and abuse one of your own. You will begin to develop a connection, a compassion towards your own. Because you will stop seeing your own through the lenses of everyone else. That's the biggest secret. Once you stop seeing your brother and sister through everyone else's eyes, you will begin to see just that, your brother or your sister. Not another nigga. But we've allowed 
our psyche to be manipulated and played with in such a manner that this is exactly what we see. This is exactly how we handle one another. Never aspiring for that dream. So what does the dream look like? What is the dream? What will it be accomplished? What are we fighting for as revolutionaries, as liberators, as freedom fighters? What are we fighting for? If it isn't our independence, complete and total independence, the right to self-determination, the right to self-sufficiency, the right to evolve naturally, unencumbered, unhindered, free of any obstacles, the intentional and willful and deliberate hindrance of a people, man. Real. This thing is real, real. And it doesn't get any plainer. I can't say it anymore. Hence, maybe this is why the ancestors don't let me come over Come on all the time and sometimes things come up where I can't speak week to week to week like that things come up because it's getting redundant. To me. I can only imagine those of you who have heard me before say, Man, this is this is what the brother because this is the message. Until we get it, until we start to work collectively, until every blue moon I check the social media, I look in the sea. Until we start to see a shift in the dynamics and change towards and a working towards the unification and empowerment of African people, the message is going to be the same because the problem's the same. I wish I had something different than fly to come up here and tell you. I wish I did, but until we evolve, as a people, do we elevate our ancestors? Do we elevate as human beings of African descent? We will always be spitting, I will always be spitting the same message. I'll be the town crier, the warner, the one saying the same thing over and over again. Like the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey said, up you mighty nation, you can accomplish what you will. Up your mighty nation, you can accomplish what you will. Let's go to our phone lines for a minute. Eight three two five five four one. Your mic is open. Peace and black power, uh, Chairman. This is K Mac. How are you? Hey, peace and black power, Queen K Mac. I'm well. Thank you for asking. Um, never stop. Uh, putting the knowledge out there and repeating it over and over. Um, you know, I'm listening. I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, at the same token, I want to, you know, encourage you to keep sending the message out. Um, this is a tough a battle that we have. Um, we can't even agree as a collective if we even want to be called black. We can't even agree if we want to be called African. Um, hearing more of our people say, just call me American. And 
when I hear that, I often ask them, so what's the characteristic of an American? I really don't get an answer. And so my fear is becoming this melting pot. Um, and the melting pot is where everyone blends in, looks the same, tastes the same. There's no differences, uh, like the Borg uh, from Star Trek. Um, we're just one big old block. Nothing makes us any you know, special at all. Uh, I usually hear that from people who don't think that we have an issue. The issue that they see on the news is on the news. It doesn't bother them. Um, and so until it actually touches them, it won't ignite the fire in them. Um, and I think that's part of the, the, the problem, some of that complacency that we have as a collective. Um, as as an individual, I'm learning to surround myself with people who want to do and who are doing. And those who are complacent uh, and, and indicate that, you know, we don't have a problem, we're doing great, uh, we've gotten farther than we've ever gotten. You know, I have to look around and say, okay, so we're, we're owning more homes, I got it. We're owning some more land, I got it. We've got better jobs, I got it. We have more businesses, I got it. Um, and you know how... Uh, I am as far as finding black businesses. I was told there was none. And, you know, now people are getting excited because they realize that we have some. I think that's part of it. Um, that's why, you know, for me, uh, due diligence and showing when I purchase a product from a black-owned business, I try to post that, um, give a, a small review, you know, support our brothers and sisters because we need that piece. Um and in talking to some of these black-owned businesses, I'm finding that they're donating to organizations that are helping us. And I love it. So those black dollars are going in their hand and straight into an organization designed to help us. And so some are donating 10% of their profits. Uh, one young lady is uh, donating 20% of her profits. I was like, okay. You know, so it, it gives me hope to keep doing. But for you, don't stop the message. Because the minute you stop the message um, and that consistency in the message delivery is gone, then the people go back to sleep. You know, uh, it's going to take a bit to, you know, push them in and, and get them going. But I also realize there are people who have excuses left and right, and they're not going to come and build a house. They're not going to, you know, sweat you know, carrying the lumber and getting stuck with nails, et cetera, and, and coming out on their day off or after they've been to work, they're not going to come out and build the house. However, once the house is built, they're going to be right there. Look at what we did, you know, black power and all of that. So <laughs> it, it's bound to happen. You know, I've played it in my head. Do I even open the door for them? <laughs> Do I build a moat so they can't cross? You know, <laughs> so because I know it's coming, <laughs> and it never fails. You know, even at my place of employment, for instance, um, I'm developing a program um, to to teach some more skill sets. You know, my supervisor actually told me, you know, uh, once you build this, you know, and people see it, you know, they're going to take it for themselves and they'll get the credit for it. You know, for it. And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, I'm the developer of this. But the people who are going to take it don't look anything like me. So I'm at a crossroads. Do I continue to develop this 
knowing it's going to be taken and used. And I felt like, you know, our, our ancestors who had all of these inventions, but because they were black, they weren't allowed to patent it. You know, so someone else gets the glory. And then down the road, we as blacks, we're thinking this was invented by this white person. This was invented. Then we start peeling back the onion and find out, wait a minute, he invented that? And, and it makes me irritated to see how much we've done, but others have taken it and run. You know, they've perfected the art of, of, of thievery. And so, yeah. you know, it's like everyday experiences keep our people in the forefront for me. And those that I talk to, the black women, the black men that I talk to, you know, they're experiencing the same thing. And when we have a conversation, they don't, they'll, they'll say that similar, but don't realize that they have no power. They thought that, hey, I got this certain paycheck, I'm good. And I tell them at the end of the day, you still are in. You know, this is why they can praise you, pump you up, get you to do all the work, walk in and take full credit for it. And you better not say nothing. And then you go home disgusted. I said, this has been happening since day one. You know? And so I kind of draw them in uh, because my building, I can actually have people in nobody knows because, you know, when two or more of us get together, it makes folks kind of jumpy. But um, we have those conversations. Yeah. So don't stop. You know, don't don't think it falls on, on, on deaf ears because it doesn't. It doesn't because it just encourages people like myself to continue their their message that we have. You know, I keep talking to the same knuckleheads day in and day out, and, and it just struck a chord when you, you said, do you keep going, do you stop? And I've been at that crossroads, but I'm not going to stop. So, you know, I ask you, you know, please don't stop. Keep sending that message out. out. Be repetitive until we can mumble it in our sleep. You know, until it's dancing across our eyelids when we close our eyes. Because that's what it's going to take. Because some of us are just straight lazy. Some of us just don't feel like it. Some of us don't want to, but we're too afraid to say it. You know, I would rather someone be honest and say, Kim, I ain't trying to see nobody. Shoot. You know, they need to get a job. I would rather hear that. Then someone pretend, and then when it's, the day comes to feed folks, they don't show up. You know, so tell me a few right. times. Right. You know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, absolutely, I, just absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You... No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Right. No, let just... you know. Let you know what's going on. Mhm. So it's it's going to take some work. You know, I'm not going to stop teaching. I'm not going to stop you know, banging the drum. I'm not going to stop, you know, speaking what I got to speak and hanging out with the youth and, and, and getting them all motivated and ready to go. And I'm not going to stop any of that. I'm not going to stop building a business and having some people, you know, I'm looking at having teams run my front end of my business. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mentoring like four different people, although I didn't know that, but I know it today, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> You know, it's almost like the, the little meme that came out with the, the father lying, and he, the father said he was going to give up until he saw who was watching him, and it was the little cub. That's how I feel sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I like, want to stop, 
But then I realize I get a phone call, hey, Miss Kim, can I come by and talk to you a minute? I have an idea, and, and you know, you seem to be the only person that will listen. You know, that, that meme fits every day. So, exactly. That's and that's the ticket. And and, and I appreciate the priest and uh, Sister Kim, I'm gonna go to my phone as I see that chiming in. But I definitely appreciate the vote of confidence. And I know what you're saying, man. It's it's consistency. And about being right. consistent with it, doing the you know, doing the work. It's just you know, you know how we get 'cause you're in the same boat, man. It's just after a while you begin to feel yes. it's starting to get feel redundant. I'm gonna leave your mic open, but I'm gonna go to um area code four zero four. Five three six zero. Your mic is open. Hey, how you doing, man? This is brother Iron, man. Assalamualaikum. What's going on, brother? Oh, I'm chilling down here in Atlanta. You no know, calls and raising havoc. Okay, I know that's right. I know you're doing the thing, man. I spoke about the protest a little earlier, brother. Tell me what's what's going on with you, man. Oh, the owner in the store crying. <laughs> okay. He, he told me something. He told me, can you please leave him? Like, nope. You said, I'm not making you no money. I'm right. the whole point. Oh, we got him signing yeah. paperwork. He ready yeah. to testify. He's a police and everything. Listen, I listen. I got some people on. I spoke about it a little earlier, man. I got a couple minutes. And, uh, you know, I got some other people that want to jump on the phone line. But why don't you give us a, a brief recap? We'll give them a couple minutes, man, maybe three, four minutes, to give us a recap of what's going on, what led up to the progress, uh, the protest and progress of the protest today. Okay, what's going on now? The owner is willing to work with us, and he he understands that we're not playing with him. So he's going to help us take this dirty officer down and beat this woman repeatedly with his stick. Because there's no excuse for whooping this woman like they whooped her. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, we made we made him mm-hmm. sign a contract today that said he was going uh, he was going to put a statement in on the police officer that they 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 uh, they, they really beat her and he they didn't have they didn't have anything to do with it. Right, you're ex- exercising that economic power, man, that boycott. You know, not just a protest, uh-huh. but that boycott. He came out there, he's feeling that money, that lack of money, man. And I say I was out there yesterday, wonderful job. I want to give, you know, props to definitely our dear brother Haroon, who is one of the founders of Street Groomers, and also my representative down here, the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Atlanta, Georgia, doing this thing and heading up this protest as far as, and we're showing the power of economic, economically boycotting and going, and that's what this—that's what he's feeling. We could have been out there all day, moving and hollering and what figures, but when it's starts showing that money up, you know, I seen him on the news crying, "How we on the news? Oh, I'm not making any money." I don't know what. Why the people is in my store are going under? I bet it is. I bet it is because you know you have to see if you You know. Well, keep the press, man. Keep the pressure up, and 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 keep it going, you know. And definitely do the thing. I got seven minutes. I want to go to my um, national minister of justice, Doctor Justice, Doctor Justice. Yes, sir. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power family. Uh, I, I, this is a very interesting topic. The more I thought about it, uh, is there a Black America? Yes, there is a black America. However, it's the black America that is um, depicted. We, we uh, as a people, by and large, we are, um, we are ignored, marginalized, and pushed to the side. So our black America is not shown. Clearly, there are two Americas because the police kill us every day. So, and, 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 and white folks don't believe it. 
So apparently there is a black America, but it's not the one that um, it's not the one that we identify with. Where we work hard every day, we take care of our children, and dispel all of all of the negatives that are put out about us around the world. Uh, we we are doing everything uh, above and beyond. And if our um, and if we are really taking a look at as a culture here in the hells of America, um, people say, "For wonder, we still alive? How do we do it?" They will definitely have us on every kind of talk show around the world to see how we do it. Uh, but I think what the real problem is the the media is so powerful that they're able to project these images of of, of, of us as a people that there is no black America, and the one that there is is the one that is disparaging and needs to be eradicated as quickly as you can. However, I'm going to be really brief. Uh, Philando Castile was killed in the same state, and this thing is really getting ready to be a hot-button issue because these individuals, this individual police officer is not only from Ethiopia, but he's a Muslim. And he, mur- he, he murdered an, a woman from Australia. And the Australian government is going crazy. They sent their, uh, uh, somebody from, from their consulate, they, um, the people from Australia, their newspaper, they're showing the newspapers. And, and, and what they're doing now, they're not saying, oh, uh, they kill black people. They're saying that Americans are killers, <laughs> and, including or even the ones that are being killed. Black America, they're including them in, in the fact that we're all just killers. So and this is going to be very, very interesting to see how this whole thing plays out as it applies to um, black America, how, we, how, how do we see ourselves and how we've seen around the world. Um, what I'm beginning to see is that we've seen the same as the police that kill us. Um, and, and, I mean, if I might say uh, a step below, a rung below on the ladder of the same police that kill us. So I just wanted to weigh on, in on that, and I heard what you said, that you just get tired. Man, don't get tired. We need to hear what you have to say because it wakes people up. I'm getting um, uh, text messages from individuals who want to know uh, what the topic is. Can they jump on now and this and that? And what, what, what's the telephone number? And I give them the telephone number, which is already on the thing that they looked at, but that's another story. Uh, you do what you got to do, sir, and I think you're doing an excellent job. And I think that you need to carry on. Black power and black power to my family and recognize that truly there is a black America because black America is on the phone now being heard. Black power. Black power. I appreciate the vote of confidence. And I see some of them on here. You know, I don't know if you're on the line, too. I see some of them, you know, on here, and I know that people are just listening. And it's not a matter of me giving up. I'm not going to give up, brothers and sisters. It's just tiring. It gets very exhausting. It gets, you know, like I said, after a while, it starts to even become redundant to me. Yes, we constantly it, but I know how serious it is. And I'm and I'm sure it's just not me, man. There are tremendous, um, you know, brothers and sisters out there with radio programs doing their thing. Sister um, Queen K. Mack is, is, is a co-host on one of the shows, the Queens that come on on Sundays. Check it out. They dropping, I think it's Sundays at 7. Check Facebook for um, listings. Other people that come on on Mondays. That's why I moved our day to Tuesdays to allow these uh, various progressive organizations to have that say because the more, the better. You know, we can't get enough of it. It's just tiring and exhausting. But I do thank everyone. For listening in, yo, my nephew behind walls, man, I love you, man. Your uncle loves you. Um, thinking about you, you're in my prayers, or you'll be home soon, no doubt. Um, 
everyone that came in, the tremendous support we're always constantly, constantly getting. I appreciate that. And like I say, listen, I'm going to end it like some of the words of our, the most honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, up you mighty nation, you can accomplish what you will. I leave you as I greet you, all powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did pure. Like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip, I'll make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body this hood politics, acknowledging. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee, I duck, could it be my time is up with my luck? I got up, the cops shot again, bust stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken, ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat To the death of it, to everybody, come on Little niggas, it's grown, hood rats Don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon Shit from the stars, sun and the moon And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers Sick of kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die, we're nines out This is what nines is about, niggas, the time is now All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need is 